You know, over the past few weeks, we've been, really, <laughs> past few months, and really you could even go back further than that. You could go all the way back to when I started preaching just college age. The theme has continued to be the same. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, this is not about religion. We just got back from Mexico, and we saw the result of religion down there. Down there, it is supposed to be a religious country. Their national religion is Catholicism. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in God. However, it is simply religion to them. See, because they, don't, they may have heard the name Jesus Christ, but they don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. And that's what he offers us. He offers something more than religion. I know that's what Alex spoke about last week. So where are you at in your walk with Jesus Christ? Is it simply a format to you? Is it simply something that you come and you do on Sunday mornings, on Tuesday nights perhaps? Or maybe when you do your devotions, you get in your ten minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. Is it that? Or is it a craving of a relationship that you can never get enough of? Have you ever been there? <laughs> Even in human terms, have you ever had a relationship that you cannot get enough of? A healthy relationship, like when I first met my wife. By the way, when I met her, I knew she was going to be my wife. She didn't. <laughs> I do do some convincing there. But I knew she was going to be my wife. I could not get enough of her. I could not learn about her fast enough. By the way, that didn't end. Now, as we go along, we grow together. I learn more about her. I fall more in love with her. I see things in her that I want to emulate because she emulates Jesus Christ. See, that is our relationship with Christ. Do you want more of Him? Are you satisfied with where you're at? Are you satisfied with the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year routine? Because it's comfortable. Because you can see what's coming. Because it's something you can have expectation for, and no, I can handle that. Wow. That's not the Jesus Christ I know. But i got to tell you, I know where you're at if you feel that way. Because, see, I felt that way for years. I've been saved almost 42 years. And for much of that, I've always loved Jesus Christ. So don't, don't think it's one or the other. Religion is not just about not loving Jesus. See, I loved Jesus. But I also loved my control. I also loved the fact that I could know what's coming. I could know even in my relationship with him what was about to happen. It wasn't until the Lord began to open my eyes about two years ago, two and a half years ago, that I began to understand this relationship is a living, breathing thing. And it requires interaction from me. Not just learning. Not just knowledge. Because, you know, I, I've taught the Bible for 25 years. And that didn't get me any further in my relationship than anything else did. Did it keep me out of trouble? Sure. Did it keep me on a path? Sure. Do biblical principles never return void? Sure. You can live your life following these principles. 
You can live your life according to the word of God and miss the very relationship, the richness of the relationship that he wants you to have. Now, this was actually just supposed to be an introduction. (laughs) Sorry, Anissa. I want to show you a video because this was not this video, but this concept was the very first thing that opened my eyes to the fact that I was looking in the wrong places. All of you know Matthew 6.33. That's our foundational verse. It's been our verse since before I even started the college ministry. It's in our very logo. It's, It's everything that God has spoken to me wrapped up into one. What does Matthew 6.33 say? Turn to that. You could probably say it, but I want you to turn to it. And you know what? I'm going I'm to actually start at verse 31. Matthew 6.31 Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Jesus is saying, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows what we need. He knows us intimately. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, if we're to seek God's kingdom, and this is what I came to the conclusion of, if we're to seek his kingdom, it's different from our kingdom. His kingdom is different than the three dimensions plus time that we live in right now. If it wasn't, we could, we could pull out a map, go down a couple miles and Oh, there's God's complex right there. There's his kingdom right there. I'm going to go visit him today. You know, if anybody found that, let me know. (laughs) Doesn't exist. Right? His kingdom is not in this dimension. Is his kingdom in heaven? Interesting thought. Bible says no. Bible says no. His kingdom is where? In us. It's through the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, don't confuse the Bible when it says his kingdom when he shall reign on earth. That's different. That's the millennial kingdom. It's not what he's talking about when he was talking to his disciples, seek ye first. Because they weren't in the millennium. They couldn't go seek the millennial kingdom. That's what got Christ crucified in the first place. So the kingdom is available to us right now. Why? Because it's in us, and it's through the Holy Spirit. Take a look at this video. Not yet fully come. He actually said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. He never said that. We've said that because we have millennium teaching. And we've said, well, it's not yet, it's to come. Jesus said this, he said, pray this. Our Father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's God's will for his kingdom to come? Where is the kingdom? It's not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, when they say, look for the kingdom here, look for the kingdom there. He said, don't look here or there, for the kingdom is within you. So the kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. I would tell you the question about your church and that your church says this and your church says this. Dare to believe that the kingdom is in you. Dare to manifest the kingdom outside of your church. And dare to allow the tree that you are, the kingdom tree, the tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, the sap that's in your vine, the sap that's in you, to bear witness with the fruit that hangs on your tree. Allow the people in your church that don't believe that it's for now to look at your life and look at the fruit and don't try to sell it, just allow them to pick it. And when they have questions for you, and they ask you, take your pastor out to lunch, take your elders out, take people in your church out, take them out. Don't try to say, look at me. Just bear witness of what kind of tree you are. 
questions will arise and you'll be able to speak into people's lives. But don't say, look at me and go after this thing with everything you are and manifest the kingdom in your church, in your life. But don't come up front and say, I need to pray for people and explode your church. They don't understand because they've never seen an example. How about you just be an example for them to see Amen. so that they can understand. And instead of you telling them that it's for now, why not just be a tree, bear fruit of it, so they can see your life and want what you have. Be careful because sometimes we're going back into our church and we want everybody to believe our newfound thing. But we have to bear witness of what it is. And they might not say, come up front and pray for people. They might even fight you and say, you know what, this isn't true, this isn't real, we don't believe it. That's not going to stop you from manifesting Jesus outside of your church. And the time will come that they'll ask you, what's the deal here? Because it will overwhelm the people that you're around on a constant basis. And you'll be a threat to them. But eventually, if you don't lose heart in doing good, you'll harvest. Due season. Just trust me. It's really because it happened in my life. Just do it. Don't be stumbled by the front end of that question. It says, because we're not seeing everybody healed, people say the kingdom's not fully here. No, it just means we're all still growing. We're growing up into Him. We're maturing into Christ. Ephesians says the reason we keep teaching is to grow up into Him in all things to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So we're not seeing everybody healed. And then we make broad comments like, well, it's because the kingdom's not fully here. No, it's here. We're growing into it. Come on, some of us still let traffic jams ruin our day. Some of us don't have authority over what Joyce Meyer said years ago. I heard her on the tape say, and my wife was listening to it. Don't have authority over sink full of dirty dishes, but you want authority over sickness and disease. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, we read things and take them as principles and think if we apply them, they're going to work like it's a magic formula. Christianity is not a magic thing unfolding. It's a life becoming. Yes. Christianity is a transformed life. It's not abracadabra. Jesus' name's not synonymous to abracadabra. Okay? He's name above every name. And him in us is the hope of glory. Him flowing through us is the manifestation of that glory. So what's it mean? We're growing in truth. So that's why he said, don't grow weary in well-doing. You're going to reap if you don't lose heart. But if we sell it off and say, well, it's because of this, 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 we might put a ceiling over us growing. And 60 years from now on our deathbed, we still believe the same thing. And we've never manifested the kingdom, even though it was here the whole time. Ooh. That wouldn't be good. No. So let's not do that. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Let's not do that. See, we have opportunity in our relationship with Jesus Christ right now for growth. If you think you have gone as far as you can with Jesus Christ, you haven't been reading the same Bible I have. You haven't been worshiping the same Savior that I have. Right? Jesus Christ, there's no limit to your relationship. The only one I can find in the Word of God that even came close, perhaps, to a limit is Enoch. And what, what did God do to Enoch? He took him. He took him while he was alive. Because their relationship was so close, he walked with God. So there is no limit to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I want to want us to understand is how do we pursue that relationship? Do we pursue that through knowledge? Do we pursue that by learning more about him? Or do we pursue that by experiencing more of who he is? See, when I first got to know Alexis, to get to know her, to learn who she was, to get to know her more, I didn't just Google her, right? I didn't just, you know, hire a private investigator to get me information on her. Man, I want to know her more, so, hey, can you follow her? Can you see what she does? And can you get information for me on her? No, I talked with her. I developed conversation. I learned who she was through her mouth. Through her telling me who she was. Why do we do it differently with Jesus Christ? Why do we want to learn so much about Him that we don't experience 
him? See, that's the question that I came to two and a half years ago. And it was tough. Because remember, being saved for as long as I have, you, you tend to fall into traditions. And not bad. I don't mean they're bad. But you tend to fall into these, these ways of life thinking that that is who Jesus Christ is. And he is in proportion. But what I didn't realize was there was an activity to that relationship. There was a deeper joy that I had never experienced before in that relationship. That's what we're going to talk about. See, because what you're going to find is that there's a vehicle that I didn't understand. That vehicle was the Holy Spirit. That vehicle was what Christ promised the disciples when he left. He said, you want me to leave in John. He said, you want me to leave. Why? Because then when I leave, the Father is going to send the Comforter. See, think about that a second. Because they had Jesus Christ right there. They had Jesus Christ that they could reach out to and talk to all the time. So why would Jesus say to them, now I understand him saying to us that we want him to go, because we didn't have Jesus. We didn't have physical Jesus, but they did. And he said, you are going to want me to leave. Why? Because the Father sends the Comforter. So So then there had to be something in the relationship through the Holy Spirit that was not there when Jesus Christ was physically with them. That's huge. See, that's something I didn't get. I didn't understand that the very Spirit of Christ is who He wanted to talk to me through. He wanted me to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at in this series. I want you to turn to John chapter 4. See, we are to worship Christ in spirit and in truth. John 4.23. And by the way, let me start by saying this, and I say it just about every week. Acts 17.11, right? Be as the Bereans. Don't take what I say and just accept it at face value. You receive it with readiness of mind, with openness of heart, and you go home and prove it. So, in your bulletins, under the message part, the notes, I want you to write down these scripture references. And I want you to go back, and I want you to look each one up, and I want you to ingest them yourself. Prove out what I'm saying. Now, you may not, or you might. From my perspective, I don't know. From my perspective, and I know this sounds harsh, it doesn't matter. But to you it does. Because what I promise you, if you do this, he's going to begin to reveal himself to you in a way he's never revealed before. His pages are going to come alive in a way that they have never come alive before. So I beg you to please go and prove it out. Write down these references and prove it out. So again, John 4.23, we're going to read 4.23 through 24. I'm, I'm going to actually start at 22. And this is the story about the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus came and asked for water, And she gave him water. He said, I can give you water that will make make you never thirst again. You all know the story. And he saw her sin, that she was not just married. She had been married seven times. You know the story of that. So that's what we're reading into. Now, after all of that, this conversation with her, this is where we, we pick it up. When she says, It's easy for you guys to worship because you guys have God. Talking about the Jews, right? 
Okay, That's where we pick this up in verse 22. You worship what you do not know. He's talking to this Samaritan woman. We worship, meaning the Jews, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God, verse 24, God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay, one should notice something there. In your Bibles, they, they give little hints. Okay, when you see, when you see a capital L for Lord, that's talking about God. If you see a small L for Lord, that could be talking about somebody in charge of something, right? Or a master. Here in this case, if you see a capital S, that's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you see a small S, that's talking about a spirit. Okay, it could be in this case, it's talking about our spirit. What's it say here? In verse 23, it says, When the true worshipers will worship the Father... Or will worship the Father, what? In spirit and in truth. That means we worship through our spirit. See, our spirit is different than our intellect. Our spirit is different than our knowledge. Our spirit is something that we do not control. Ouch. That's scary. That's scary. Why do we worship Him through our spirit? Because then it becomes something that He can control. That He can pour into. See, it doesn't say there that we worship Him in our intellect. See, that's the truth part. We're going to go over that in a minute. But we worship Him in truth and in spirit. So we worship Him in truth and and in our spirit, through our spirit, we worship Jesus Christ. So we worship in spirit. This is our spirit worshiping, you know, worshiping through the Holy Spirit. And I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. The spirit confirms that we are adopted sons. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse, thir- or verse 14 and read through 17. If you're writing it down, again, Romans 8, verse 14 through 17. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. If you only had one chapter in the Word of God, you just had Romans chapter 8, you'd be fine. Because there's so much packed in there. Amen. So verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit, capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, small s, to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit, Holy Spirit, of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, it doesn't say that we cry, Abba, Father, to Him directly. It's through the Spirit that we can cry, Abba, Father. It's through the Spirit that we can call Him Lord. That we can call Him Father. It's through the Spirit because we are adopted as sons. Verse 16, the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, Himself bears witness with our spirit, small s. That we are children of God. See, it's not our intellect. It's not the fact that we read something and now we signed our name on a dotted line and now we have a contract. It's our spirit bears witness with his spirit. That's outside of our intellect. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then that difficult word we talked about a few weeks ago, provided 
we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So it's the Spirit who confirms that we are adopted sons and daughters. And it says there that the Holy Spirit is supposed to work in conjunction with our spirit. Wow, that's something I missed all those years. See, because I didn't know how to connect those dots. I didn't know how to connect my spirit with the Holy Spirit. I knew how to connect my intellect with the Holy Spirit. I knew, I knew because I could read the Word of God and I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew how I was supposed to pray. I knew all the things in the Word of God that I taught. What I didn't understand was there was a connection available to me that I had not taken advantage of yet. Did it make me not a Christian? No. I was saved when I was nine years old. I've grown in Christ most of those 40 years. Or 40, whatever. Now you can guess how old I am. (laughs) I've grown in Christ most that time. Most of my growth came through that very intellect of learning the Word of God. See, the principles of God, the, the Word of God says it will never return void. It has power in the very words that are written on those pages. So if I study those, I am definitely going to receive parts of that relationship. But see, there were pieces that I missed. There was an intimacy that I missed because I did it through intellect, through knowledge. The Spirit is what gives us access to the Father. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And again, go back and study these things. Pray that the Lord speaks to you on this. Pray that he reveals himself through it. Alright, the Spirit is what, the Holy Spirit is what gives us access to the Father. These aren't my words, these are the Lord's words. Ephesians 2, we're going to begin with verse 17 and go through 22. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Talking about Jesus Christ. For through him we both have access to one Spirit, to the Father. See, it's Jesus Christ who gave us access to the Father. Because he died on the cross for our sins. See, the Father couldn't look at sin. Father couldn't look at us. Because we were sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins then we had the possibility of access. But what's it say there? We just read it. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It doesn't say that through Jesus Christ we are automatically one in the Father. It doesn't say that. It says we have access. So when we are, when he died on the cross for our sins, we had the possibility of a relationship. That relationship gave us access. That relationship gave us continued possible growth in our relationship with God. With God the Father. And with Jesus Christ. But it says in one spirit, Holy Spirit, to the Father. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
and verse 22, in him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God. What's it say? By the Spirit. All this is being built by the Spirit. Why? Because our access to the Father is only through the Spirit. Our continual access. We've been talking about sanctification for a long time. Our continual progress in sanctification, our walk with Christ getting closer and closer and closer, it's through the Spirit. That's the only way it can be. So so if you're counting on just learning more out of the Word of God and handling it through a base of knowledge, then you're going to miss the very vehicle that gets you to the Father in relationship, that gets you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to miss that very vehicle. It's kind of like running to an appointment that's a couple of miles away. If you've got two minutes to be there, you're not going to make it. If you get in your car and drive like my wife, you have plenty of time. Sorry, had to throw that one in there. See, it's the vehicle that increases the access. If the Holy Spirit is our vehicle, our access to the Father, and we don't have a relationship through the Holy Spirit, what do you think happens? We're not accessing the Father. Wow. See, I never got that. I never got that in 40 years. I never got that. But I'll say the same thing to you that I said to the young people over two years ago. This is all new to me back then. I said to them that I am going to take you on the same path, this same road that I'm going down. And I'm going to be real open and honest with you that this is how it is. This is the walk that I'm taking. I could stand before you today, two and a half years later, again with that same honesty, and say the Lord Jesus Christ has proved to me in the Word of God. This concept about the Holy Spirit being the vehicle. This concept about my relationship with Jesus Christ having to be through the Holy Spirit. He has proved that to me in Scripture. That's what we're going to be going over the next few weeks. He has also shown me in my own life manifestations of His Spirit. He has spoken to me, being true to His Word, things I had never seen my entire life. Now, I don't stand here in front of you saying that I have experienced all of this myself. And that's where I'm open and honest along this path. And the reason I am and the reason I want this to be recorded and go online is because when it happens, it's going to be a testimony to you. Because what the Holy Spirit is about to do in this church, do in me and in others, I've never seen before. Perhaps many of you have never seen before. But don't miss it. Don't miss it, because this could be your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss what Jesus Christ has for you. Because it can make all the difference in the world. So the Spirit is the one that is our access to the Father. And it said that the church that is built is what? A dwelling place for God. How? By His Spirit is what we just read. So we know what the Spirit is. We know that that the Holy Spirit now is the vehicle in which we draw closer to Jesus Christ. He is the very vehicle that we can increase in our relationship. 
Okay, and that's half the equation. Because it says we worship him in spirit and in truth. So now we know the vehicle. What's this truth thing? Well, the truth might be a little easier to comprehend. At least for me, that's what I grew up in. That's what I've preached for 25 years, understanding this truth. We worship him in truth. So what is truth? Turn to Psalm. Psalms 145, verse 18. Psalm 145, verse 18, talking about this truth. What does it say? It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. Okay, what does that mean? Do I call on him in a lie? How do I call on God in truth? It says to call on God. You must call on him in truth. What does that mean? Turn to John chapter 1. And it may seem obvious to some, not so much to others. But what is the truth? John chapter 1, 15 to 17 says this. John, meaning John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Verse 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. See, because of the fullness of Jesus Christ, we received grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What is truth? Truth is the words of Jesus Christ. Truth is the word of God. That's truth. Now that may seem obvious to some. Others it may not. See, do you believe that you can trust every word of the Word of God? Or are they just principles that you live your life according to? Because you can live a good life according to these principles. You can be saved, okay? You can have your justification in Jesus Christ, live according to these principles, and live a good life. And have success. Why? Because... The Word of God doesn't return void. The principles in the Word of God work. They work in relationship. They work in business. They work. But does that mean you are receiving everything from Him? No, He said the complete truth. We worship Him in truth, not partial truth. So when we worship Him in the entire truth of the Word of God... You better start learning how to deal with the verses that talk about the very vehicle that you access him with. That's the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit who I never understood before. Before two and a half years ago as I started to study. Again, this very vehicle that took the knowledge of the Word of God, the intellect that I had gained from the Word of God, And put it into motion. Because now I had a vehicle to access the Father. So truth is the word of God. It was the truth that gave us the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm trying to lay out a progression of what God gave in how we're to live our relationship with Him from the very beginning. The very basics of our relationship have to be put in place first. That's what these are. So Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read verse 13 and 14. You have heard this, these verses a hundred times if you've been listening to me. This is what we consider our eternal security. When we're saved, what? We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. When? Until. Until the redemption, right? Not until next week, 
Not until next month, not until we mess up again, until the redemption. That's not the point of me bringing this up right now. I want to point something else about this, though, because it was the truth that gave us the Holy Spirit. Let's read verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, that's the words of Jesus Christ, the gospel, says the gospel of your salvation, and believed him, what happened? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit became a seal in your heart. He came and indwelt in you as a seal. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. What's our inheritance? Our inheritance is eternity with Christ. Our inheritance is not hell. We get to be with him for eternity. Are we there now? I got saved 42 years ago, and I'm pretty sure I haven't been in heaven since. Right? No. I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in and dwelt in me as a seal until I received possession of my inheritance. Right? But I want you to notice something else in there. It was the truth that gave the Holy Spirit. It was the very truth of God, His gospel that we believed in, that created a reaction. The second I said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, be my Savior, forgive me of my sin, that created a reaction from the Father. See, the Father said, go. Tells the Holy Spirit, go. Go and dwell in Him. I put my stamp on Him. My stamp is that guarantee. My stamp is that Holy Spirit that guarantees that He will be an adopted Son. No matter what happens in His life. No matter anything else. He's a guarantee until I give Him His inheritance. So it was the very truth of the Word of God that brought forth that Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit in us. Does, does that mean that we access the Father through that Holy Spirit? See, that's what I didn't get before. That's what I never understood before. You have to understand, though, the truth came before the gift of the Spirit. And this was important in my life. Because as I grew up and I saw people that believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it was proof to me what I saw. It was proof to me that they didn't know the God I knew. See, because I saw that it was all about emotion. I saw that it was all about themselves. I saw that it was all about getting to a place where you're right there with God and all revved up. I could do that through His truth. See, I could do that on my own. I didn't need what they had in terms of the Holy Spirit. By the way, side note, it's the same thing, and I, I, I don't know if this makes any sense, but I've never been drunk in my life. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I didn't want to drink or anything else. It's because I could get the same feeling just being me. I can act just as stupid just being me. I didn't have to have anything help me. So see, that's what I saw with these full gospel Christians. Wow, I can have an intimacy. I, I, don't, I don't need to to do that for me. What I didn't get and what I didn't see and maybe I didn't look at because once I labeled them, I, I left it as it was. What I didn't see was when the Holy Spirit would use that as a tool to bring someone to Him. 
a tool to reveal himself in such a way that he could not be revealed otherwise. And I'll tell you for me how it began two and a half years ago, is I had three friends. I had three dear friends that when they talked to God, it was a little different than when I talked to God. And when they heard from God, it was way different than when I heard from God. But yet, I knew them. I knew them intimately. I knew their walk. I knew that their walk was real. And I knew they had something different than what I had. See, when they heard from God, they really heard from God. It wasn't, Lord, I need to hear from you, and and I'm going to just start reading Scripture and, and see how you speak to me. See, that's how he always spoke to me. And that's what I thought the Holy Spirit speaking meant. And it does. It did for 40 years for me. But I learned through these people, these three people, that it also meant so much more. So what I prayed that day, I remember I was challenged by one of them. I was challenged to search it out. To figure it out for myself. And I remember praying on that day because this person had said to me, and this may or may not make sense to you, depending on where you're at. This person said to me I was going to receive a gift. Well, by this time, this was about the seventh person who had said that to me. Totally different people, people I didn't know. And I'm like, when it first started, I didn't understand any of that. Didn't accept any of it. I remember the first person that came up to me and said a word to me about that. I didn't know them from Adam. I was, I was leading worship in church And this was a person from Florida came up to visit their brother. Their brother wasn't a Christian, so they looked online and came to our church just to be at church. And so after the message, this lady comes up to me, and she starts telling me all these things. Things she couldn't know. She couldn't, I didn't even know her. Really not sure she was human. (laughs) Nevertheless, She spoke a word into me and spoke prophecy to me. I didn't receive that all that well. I mean, I didn't say anything to her, but in my mind I'm thinking, okay, that's what people are like in Florida. You know? But the Holy Spirit started working on my heart. Why? Because I was open. Why? Because I had been praying now for years that I wanted a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. And God knew the very thing I was me, what, what I was missing was the access. I wasn't using the right vehicle. The vehicle I was using was not complete. So I remember praying at that point after when this friend of mine said this to me. By this time, I'm saying, okay, Lord, you're, you're hitting me over the head with something. So I ask you, God, Two things. I ask you that before you give me this gift, see, because by that time I believed he was. I didn't understand, didn't know it, but I believed it. Because of how he had spoken into my heart. But I said, Lord, I need two things from you first. I said, one, I need you to prove it to me in the word of God. See, because how I've taught my whole life is different I never taught this access. I never understood this access. In fact, I said it was no longer effective. It was no longer in use. The gifts of the Spirit ended with the death of the apostles. See, that's what I believed. That's what I taught. So I said, Lord, if if this is true, I need you to show me in Scripture beyond a shadow of a doubt. That was the first thing. Now, I knew he was going to. I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to. So the second thing I prayed for 
is that he would give me recollection of what he teaches me so I could teach others. Why? Because I had taught so many that it had died, that it was over with, that his completed work was in the canon of the Bible, and that's all we needed. So I prayed for those two things, and then I began a journey that has changed my life. Those of you who know me have seen those changes in my life. Those of you even who know me from the stage of being worship leader have seen the changes in my life. If you've walked any steps with me at all, you've seen I've changed. Why? Because my knowledge has changed? No. My access to the Father has changed. I understand that vehicle of the Holy Spirit that just overwhelms me in my relationship to Jesus Christ. I've been waiting for a while. I knew the Lord wanted me to teach this series. And I kept saying, just hold on a little more. (laughs) No, not quite yet, Lord. No, not quite yet. Hold on. No, I got this other one. This one's really good. Will you let me do this one? Okay, yeah, do that one. Kept putting it off. See, this wasn't the message I was going to say this morning. I had a five-part series all laid out. One he gave me down in Mexico. And I assumed, thank you, Lord. See, he had been talking to me for weeks before that, that this was supposed to be the series. But I never really accepted that. And I said, well, Lord, while I'm down in Mexico, give me, give me a series. And he did. So I thought, okay, that's awesome. Good, I get to push it off another five weeks. And then last night, about 7 o'clock, he said no. He said, that series is for later. He said, I want you to speak on the gifts. So the timing is the Lord's. It's not mine. The timing is what he wants to do. And not in my life. He's already doing it in my life. In your lives. See, what he has called ignition to is something different. i got to tell you some things I've been praying for. I want to tell you because I want to warn you. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't want you to be surprised when it happens. Because it's going to. See, I prayed for the last five years. I've been reading the book of Acts and not seeing similarities in today's church. And I couldn't reconcile that in my mind. Because in Acts, they were all sold out. Not just a few. Not just the 20%. Or even less than that. But everyone, everyone was sold out for a certain specific reason. And that was Jesus Christ. That was because he overwhelmed them in their relationship. He overwhelmed them to where they couldn't do anything else. The result of that, you could see as you read Acts. The result of that was miracles. The result of that was the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong, it could not be denied. To where even the world would see, and it could not be denied. They could still reject, but they couldn't deny. Read the book of Acts. 
I've not seen anything since. You see pockets of it. You see pockets of these revival times throughout history. And perhaps one time I'll give you a history of the workings of the Holy Spirit since Pentecost. It's an amazing study. Probably the best study I've ever done in my life. Because, see, the Holy Spirit since around 50, 60, 70 A.D., the Holy Spirit has been trying to move in a great way on this earth ever since. Ever since Acts. But He's only been allowed to impart. But you see, if you study the Word of God and you study prophecy, you're going to know this concept of the latter rain. You're going to know that at some point the Bible predicts an overwhelming revival. Not just in spots, but the world over. I believe that this revival will be the very thing that brings the rapture. I believe it's the very thing that brings the fullness of the Gentiles. It's the very final workings of the Holy Spirit. See, because when the rapture happens, Revelation chapter 4, the Holy Spirit is taken off the earth. It's not just that he's taken because we're taken. That's what I used to think. Because, well, Holy Spirit lives in us, so if he takes us, he takes the Holy Spirit. No. See, what I've learned is the Holy Spirit does so much more than just guarantees our life. The Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit can be at work in your life if you let him. So as we go through this, I want you to understand in, in, this, in this series, as we go through this series, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to recognize what He wants to do. What the Father wants to do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does nothing of Himself. And we'll, we'll get into this as we get into this the meat of this series, we'll, we'll get into this and I'll show this to you. But the Bible says the Spirit does nothing of himself. He only speaks for God, the Father. He speaks for the Father and everything that he speaks lifts up the name of Jesus Christ. So you want access to the Father, you can only access him through the Holy Spirit. Not through your knowledge. Not through your experience. Not through somebody counseling you. Only through the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand, though, this is not about The feeling of the Holy Spirit working in your life. See, that's what deterred me for so many years and made me think these things were fake. Because the people that I saw, it was about them. But as you get into this study, you're going to realize that the gifts of the Spirit are for the church. They're tools for the church to use for what? To further the name of Jesus Christ. Because that's what the Spirit does. So get out of your mind all this stuff about these people that make it all about the gifts. We seek the gifts because we seek these sensational feelings. These amazing things that make me feel good. See, that should just be a byproduct. Feeling good, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Feeling close to the Lord, nothing wrong with that. 
If that is your sole purpose and your only goal, you're missing the reason for the gifts. And that is as a tool for the church to bring people to Christ. See, what God's about to do in ignition is going to blow you away. And by the way, I don't have some plan for this. Okay, God, now. (laughs) It's not that. I'm telling you this because when it happens, it's going to be a testimony to you. We're starting this series now because I need you to see the truth of it. I need you to see in the Word of God what I missed for 40 years and have gained the understanding of the last two and a half. So the Spirit is not a shortcut to a close walk with Jesus Christ. Instead, the Holy Spirit is our partner with our walk through His Word. He's our vehicle to the Father. So it's not a shortcut. If I can be in the Spirit, I get to be close to God. It's all about me, 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 me. Speaking in tongues, awesome, I feel it, I'm good. Now let me go about my life. Wow, if that's what it is, you're missing it. Because the Spirit's not a shortcut to that relationship. We talked about the last few weeks, the relationship is something that takes time to build. Relationships are not feelings, good or bad. If I were to judge, if Alexa and I were to judge our feelings of our relationship based on how good we feel or how bad we feel, then our relationship would be all over the place. We'd be up and down and up and down and all sideways all over the place. That's not how you judge a relationship. Not on feeling. So your relationship with Jesus Christ can't be judged on a feeling of a gift. Relationship is how much time you spend together. Relationship are the ups. They are the downs. But it's growth in that relationship that can be measured. The gifts of the Spirit are tools. They're tools in your own life, but they're tools for the church. Doesn't mean we don't get benefit from them. Praise God, we do. We get benefit from them. But they're for the church. They're to further the gospel. And by the way, tongues are the least. That's what you see the most of. And and if somebody says to you, well, you're not saved because you don't speak in tongues, ask them to show you that in the Word of God. Because it's not there. It's got nothing to do with it. Paul, in fact, says tongues is the least. The least of the gifts. Doesn't make it not important. But it's the least. It's the only one that's personal. It's the only one that does have to do with the individual. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going we're gonna to get into this over the next couple of weeks. That's why he said, seek the higher gifts. Why? Not for yourself. We seek the higher gifts to help as the church to reach out. I was with Jack, and I'm closing. I was with Jack this last week down in Mexico. And Jack is a fellow believer, as I am. I didn't know that till this trip. I didn't realize what his beliefs were on the gifts. But I was sitting in the Hardeen, and, which is the square in, in San Miguel. And it was on, a, I believe, a Friday night, and there were probably, I don't know, at least two or 3,000 people there, something like that. And, you know, we handed out some tracks and did some things, and we've done that a bunch of times there. And I just imagined, how different would it be with two simple gifts? Two simple gifts of the Spirit. A word of knowledge and the gift of healing. How different would it be that Friday night in the Hardeen? See, a word of knowledge is when the Holy Spirit gives you a word to tell somebody 
something you couldn't possibly know. And it reveals truth to that individual. That's what happened to me that first time. There were things she couldn't have known. That was a word of truth given to that lady for me. So that combined with the gift of healing, real healing in the heart. Do you think that would have made a difference? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Why is it so hard in America? See, because I go over to these other places. I go to Mexico and I, I see people that go over to Nigeria and people that go over to India and other, other parts of the world. And the Holy Spirit works through them. And instead of dozens saved, they see thousands saved. How are we missing it? How am I missing it? That's what I want us to get. See, in America, we have something against us. We have this thing called a high standard of living. This comfortability. This expectation. That's a good thing. It's great to live like we live. But there's a cost to it, spiritually. I didn't see that till I went overseas. But it's going to change here. So as we close in prayer, I want you to embark on this journey with me. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to search. I'm asking you to prove it out. Just like Acts 17.11. Prove it out. So let's pray.